Turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, we are to verse 19, and I want us to look at verses 19, 20, 21, and 22 tonight as we think about this truth that we are not to quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 says very simply, quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Here is, he's writing to this church at Thessalonica. He says very clearly, quench not the spirit. We think of the idea of a flame or a fire that would be put out with some water or by a lack of oxygen or a blanket thrown upon it, something that would put this fire out. We know that over and over throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is described like a fire. And so this picture is helpful for us to understand what he's telling us not to do. Don't quench the Spirit. This is a very simple command. And yet it is one that is so important in our church and in every church. And I would say even to take this away from even the corporate sense, even in our personal lives, this is some, a very important command for each of us to consider. And here in this passage of Scripture, as we look at it tonight, I think you will see with me four areas of focus that we are to prioritize in our life if we are not going to quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely vital to our Christian life. In fact, the Bible gives us a number of ways in which the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit gives life. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth or brings to life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The Holy Spirit gives life, and I'm so thankful for it. Many times we get busy trying to do things in our own flesh, and Jesus tells us very plainly here, it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I don't know about you, but when I see lots of things on my schedule and lots of things that need attending to, my natural response is to put my head down and start trying to get things done. Even when the list looks impossible and seems like there's no way to get it done, I think, well, if I just start working on it, it will get done. And yet Jesus says very simply here, the flesh profits nothing. The Lord reminded me of that truth this morning as I considered all the things that I wanted to accomplish and realized without the Lord we can do nothing. Sometimes we're too busy to pray. We're too busy to seek the Holy Spirit's leading because we just need to get something done. And God wants to remind us that if we don't have the Holy Spirit at work in and through us as individuals and in our church, if instead we quench the Spirit by trying to do it in our own flesh, it will profit nothing. So instead of rushing off to get my next thing done, next thing done, next thing done, I think based on the Word of God, and we've got to take this by faith because I know how it feels, I know how it looks. We need to make the time to bow our heads in prayer and to take everything to the Lord because it is the Spirit 
that quickeneth. The Spirit gives life. John chapter 14, verse 16 teaches us that the Spirit gives comfort. The Holy Spirit is even called the Comforter. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. There is no comfort like the Holy Spirit's comfort because He is a comforter that goes with us wherever we are. I love what David wrote in Psalm 139. He said, Whither shall I flee from thy spirit? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there, he said that he would be with us, that he would find us. He is one that never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Holy Spirit gives comfort. Oh, may we not quench the Spirit because we need the life that only the Spirit brings. We need the comfort that only the Spirit gives. But John chapter 14 also helps us and reminds us that the Spirit is present with us to help us to know the truth. John 14 and verse 17 says this, even the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. You know, it is the Holy Spirit in each and every believer that helps to convict us of and to help us to resonate with the truth of God's Word. An unbeliever can read the Scriptures and not recognize them as truth. But a believer who is living and walking in the Spirit, has the Holy Spirit's dwelling within him, who is filled with the Spirit, cannot but read the Word of God and have the Word speak to us because the Spirit speaks to us. He is the Spirit of truth. And the verse continues on, whom the world cannot receive. Have you ever been frustrated as you looked around at the world and said, why don't people understand? Why don't they get it? What's wrong? Where's the common sense? Well, if the world doesn't have the Spirit, they cannot receive the Spirit, then how will they know the truth? Because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. When we understand the value of the Spirit's presence in our life, that He gives us life, that He gives us comfort, that He convinces us of the truth. Oh, we should yearn to walk in the Spirit. We must live every day saying, I can't do it without the Spirit's help, without His comfort, without His presence, without His constant convincing me of the truth. You know, we can read the Word of God, and we should. We read it over and over and over again, and without the Holy Spirit's convincing us of its truth, we might forget it, throw it aside, and think that it has little value. He's present with us to convince us of the truth, but the Holy Spirit also teaches us and reminds us of the truth. Look with me, if you will, at John 14, verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, These Things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. What does he mean by this? He says, I'm still here with you in the flesh. Jesus was in the flesh with his disciples when he spoke these words. But, he says, the Comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, 
What does he do? Read these next, the rest of the verse with me. The Bible says, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. What a blessing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. That He would teach us the truth and He would bring to mind the truth of God's Word. Have you ever faced a situation you think, I don't know how I would deal with that. Well, when you have God's Word in your heart and in your mind, it is the Holy Spirit that brings the truth of God's Word back to mind so that you do have the words to say, so that you do know how to think and what to do in that situation. Oh, we cannot live this life without the presence, without the filling, without the comfort, without the truth, without the life that the Holy Spirit brings. Quench not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is vital to the Christian life and therefore He is vital to the church. But the way this statement is made here, quench not the Spirit, that tells me that it is possible for us to ignore or to put out the Spirit's power in our lives. Now, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Therefore, He has all power. He's omnipotent. How can we stop the power of God? How can we quench the Spirit? Well, here in the next few verses, He gives us four areas that we need to focus on so that we will not quench the Spirit. Number one, He gives it to us right here in, in verse 20. He says, despise not prophesyings. In your notes, you might write something like this. You must value the proclamation of God's Word. Despise not prophesyings. We must treat the proclamation or the prophesying of God's Word with respect. You know, the church in Corinth, Paul, when he wrote to them in 2 Corinthians 10, he talked about how they liked his letters, but they didn't like his preaching. 2 Corinthians 10.10 says this, For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. What is this talking about? Well, maybe Paul's personality or maybe his presentation style was not to their liking. We do know that there was a lot in Corinth. Many of the people became followers and listeners of Apollos. We know that Apollos was a great orator, a great speaker. We understand in this day in the Roman Empire and all of the Greek philosophy of that day, there was lots of value placed upon someone's ability to speak publicly, someone's ability to argue publicly. And we see Paul in his letters writing with great logic and, and great thought behind it as he's inspired by the Holy Ghost. But we also wonder, based on some of other statements that Paul has made, if perhaps his ability to speak was not quite at the level that his ability to write was. And yet, if Paul is preaching the Word of God, then shouldn't 
his preaching or the word that he's preaching have just as much value as the word that was written to them in the letters? Absolutely. What is he saying? We ought to have a great value for the proclamation of God's word. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3 tells us that prophesying has a very important purpose. He says, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So if we are not going to quench the spirit, then we must value the proclamation of God's word. When God's word is proclaimed, it is valuable to exhort, to challenge, to encourage people to do what's right. It's also valuable for edification, to build up, to give us instructions so that we know what is right and what is wrong and how to live. And it's also valuable for comfort, for comfort, to remind us of the truth. We also see from 1 Corinthians 14 that prophesying has value for the purpose of evangelism. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 24 and 25, But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. The church or the individual might quench the spirit by refusing to hear the word of God. So how can we value the proclamation of truth? How can we value it when it's preached, when it's proclaimed? Well, I think we can value preaching with our attendance. We have to be there. We have to be there when God's Word is presented. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Take every opportunity that you can to hear God's word as it is proclaimed. Whether it's proclaimed from the pulpit or proclaimed even from your own Bible as you open it and read it every single day. Take every opportunity that you can to hear the word of God. If we would desire not to quench the spirit, then we must value the proclamation of God's word. We value it with our attendance but I would say this, we also value it with our attention. How many times have you or I shown up for our daily devotions? We've opened our Bible, we've given attendance to it, but we haven't given much attention. It's more about getting through, checking the box. Did I complete my reading plan for the day? Even that happens to us when we come to church at times. We have so many other things on, on our mind and so many other things going on in our, in our uh, area of, of attention that we fail to pay attention to the Word of God as it's preached. I think you ought to take every opportunity, whether it is to underline something in your Bible or make a note on a piece of paper that's handed out or in your own note card, or maybe you say, I don't learn very well that way. I need to just focus my attention and not write anything. However it is that you give attention, give attention to the Word of God as it is proclaimed. But we also value preaching with our obedience James 1 tells us very plainly that we are not to just be hearers of the word, but we are to be doers also. Quench not the spirit. If we don't value God's word as it is proclaimed, if we do not give careful attention to the word of God, we will quench the spirit. 
And without the Spirit, there's no life. There's no comfort. There's no power. There's no presence of God in our lives or in our church. Value preaching. Value the proclamation of God's Word. You know, parents, when you value the proclamation of God's Word, you're teaching your children to do the same. You know, this idea of quenching the Spirit is given to the church, which gives me the thought that if, that if I am not doing what God's commanded me to do, not only am I quenching the Spirit in myself, I might also be throwing water on somebody else's uh, desire to listen or to learn or to hear the Word of God. I don't want to be a distraction or an excuse for somebody else. Quench not the Spirit. We do that by despise, not prophesying. But the second way, second area that we need to give attention to is found in verse 21. He says, prove all things. Prove all things. In other words, you must test everything according to God's Word. We talked about valuing preaching with our attendance, with our attention, with our obedience. But I think another way in which we value preaching is by testing the preaching according to God's Word. We don't just accept everything just because somebody got up and said it. In fact, this was a very important word that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Because Paul mentions this church in relationship to another church known as the church at Berea. And in Acts 17 and 11... Paul says, the, I'm sorry, Luke says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So it's no wonder then in Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica that he's saying, despise not prophesyings. Because here he says the church of Berea was receiving with readiness of mind. So perhaps the church of Thessalonica wasn't as ready to receive the word of God. He also says the church of Berea was searching the scriptures daily. So perhaps the church of Thessalonica was not giving attention to proving all things like they should. You know, if we don't do that, we, uh, we allow false teachers to creep in. We allow all kinds of error to creep in. So we have a responsibility to test everything according to God's Word. So what's he saying here? He's saying don't just accept everything or don't just reject everything. Rather, test everything. We need to be people of the book. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. People of the book. You know these verses perhaps, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If we're going to keep from quenching the Spirit, that we must value the proclamation of God's Word. And we must compare what we hear being presented as the proclamation of truth, compare it, what we hear from the pulpit, with what we read in God's Word. We need to compare what we 
watch online or what we listen to on our radio, wherever we hear somebody who says, I'm proclaiming God's word, we need to take God's word and know it ourselves well enough to be able to prove all things. The third area that we must focus on if we will not quench the spirit is that is also found in verse 21. He says, hold fast that which is good. So when we test all things, we're going to either have good things or bad things remaining. And he tells us what to do with both of those things. The first he talks about is the good. Hold fast to that which is good. Grab onto it. Continue in it. Remember it. Obey it. Live it. Oh, we run into a great danger of quenching the Spirit when we treat the things that we hear flippantly, when we take the truth that we know and we just ignore it. Now he says we're to hold fast to it. When you know what the truth is, hang on to it with all your might. Live in it. Walk in it. Obey it. Rehearse it. We are to take God's word. Remember how in, in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses was talking to the fathers and how they were to be teaching it to their children, what did he say? When you rise up, when you lie down, when you sit, when you walk in the way, everywhere you go, you ought to be rehearsing and speaking and living and obeying the word of God. Hold fast to that which is good. And then very simply and finally, he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. If we would not quench the spirit, then we must abstain from all evil. Get rid of the evil. When he says here, abstain from all appearance of evil, another way you could think of this is all kinds of evil. And some would try to look at this, and, and, and we would say we want to stay away from that which looks to be evil. But as you study the, the Greek grammar of this verse, I think you would find, as I did, that this emphasis is not just on the appearance or somehow delineating between the appearance and the substance of evil. It's literally any kind of evil, whether it appears to be evil or whether it really is evil. Because even that which appears to be evil, if it distracts from the things of God and keeps people from following Him, then it is evil and it quenches the Spirit. We're to do right. We're to make sure that our attitudes and actions do not detract from the truth. Take a look at your life tonight. Is there evil present? If there is, you're quenching the Spirit. Quenching the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. A very simple command. And yet one, if we're not careful to follow, will have dire consequences for us in our own Christian life and for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we call our church family. Now, the scripture also speaks, Galatians talks about this. If you see somebody overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of meekness. Why? Lest ye also, 
get drawn in with them and be it taken down. Quench not the Spirit. I'm thankful that this challenge is here in the Word of God for us because this is something that if we're not careful, we will find ourselves living in our own strength, going on our own way, doing our own thing without the Spirit's presence, without His power, without the life that He gives because we just got busy doing what we're doing. We've devalued the proclamation of truth. We get busy well, we heard the truth or at least what somebody claimed to be the truth. And as long as they say it, it's okay. And we get lazy in our desire to prove all things. We just sort of accept it without taking care that we are running everything through the, through the comparison with the Word of God. It's easy to quench the Spirit if we are not careful to hold fast to that which is good and to abstain from all appearance of evil. If we quench the Spirit, we lose out. And others lose out as well. Because we're part of the same body. We're in a church. We're here to, as Ephesians, 5, Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, talks about that which every joint supplieth. We all have something to bring to the body. We all have a gift. We all have spiritual ability that God has given us. We all have something to add to this body. But if the spirit in me is quenched, I won't be able to bring to the body what the body needs that God is, wants to bring through me. If the spirit's quenched in you, the spirit of the body becomes quenched as well. Quench not the Spirit. So in this chapter, chapter 5, he's talked about what it looks like to live as a child of the light. He compared it with the children of darkness. We know that those who are believers in Jesus Christ are the children of light. And so he says, walk as children of light. One of the ways we walk as children of light is to be careful not to quench the Spirit. Let's not put out the fire of God's Spirit in our life. That fire, that Spirit that gives life, that gives hope, that gives comfort through His presence. As He speaks the truth to us from God's Word, as He reminds us of God's Word and brings it back to our hearts and minds as we go through the challenges of life. In just a few moments, we're going to divide up and go to prayer together. As we pray, we know that the Holy Spirit takes part in our prayers. The Bible even says that the Spirit gives utterance. When we don't have the words to say, He gives utterance to our prayers. He prays on our behalf, if you will. The Spirit plays such an important part in our Christian life. So even as we go to prayer tonight, may we have the Spirit's power and His presence in our lives. May we walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for just the simplicity of it. And Lord, we pray for your spirit's conviction in our hearts to show us where we are wrong.
David as he talked about fleeing from your spirit and how he could not do that in Psalm 139. He finished by saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, if there's any evil in us, show it to us. Reveal it to us. May we be faithful then to confess and forsake our sin. Lord, if there is somebody here tonight that you're convicting about their lack of desire to be in the Word or that it's just kind of become mundane and and repetitious, Lord, help us to see your truth as we read it. Lord, take it and use it in our lives. You said your Word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, may we not quench the Spirit by putting aside your word or by not focusing upon it and being faithful to obey it. Lord, bless our time as we bring our request to you. We thank you for that privilege and that opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray.